tonight is the night, March 1st, 2022. The 46th president of the United States will give his first State of the Union. The State of the Union is a barometer for the country. Where are we headed? What are the priorities of the administration? President Biden's first State of the Union comes as the pandemic is waning. Executive fiat by many states in that case. Ukraine and Russia are embroiled in a war that has captured the attention of the world. And inflation is continuing to impact every middle class American. And gas prices are soaring daily, exacerbated by the war in Ukraine. I'm Justin Hall alongside Mitch Prosser, back in the saddle again, just the two of us, for the first time in seemingly a while. And we're glad you're joining us on this edition of the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. Tonight will be a full house. Every member of Congress is invited to attend this State of the Union, which is different than Biden's first address to Congress shortly after he was inaugurated. It will be a tense chamber, practically a 50-50 split, Mitch, when it comes to Republicans and Democrats. And, and if you're sitting at home, if you're driving home, if you're folding the laundry, as we say, you're going to say, well, I either agree or disagree with this president's administration and his goals, and I will either listen to or not listen to his State of the Union tonight at 9 p.m. on every major network uh, at this point. I will tell you that if you're a South Carolinian, you should be invested in what the president has to say. Mitch, for the simple fact is what I just said. It's a barometer of the country. This is the chance for the president to get in front of Congress and say, here is what my administration has done, here's what my administration wants to do, and here's how I expect you to fall in line and help my administration get things done. You're absolutely right, Justin. There is definitely a tension that will fill the room tonight for the State of the Union address, and that 50-50 split, there's certainly nothing new about that. There's no news when it comes to that. There's always, or at least in... Uh, for, recent history always been a uh, tension in the room, but I think there's a more palpable tension now because the domino effect of the decisions that the executive branch has made in the last year and change. May we remind you, it's only been just over a year since the president took office, about a year and, and a month. And so far, we have seen uh, problem after problem after problem. And this is not me disparaging the man, Joe Biden, but President Biden has made several decisions that I think we certainly have to weigh when it comes to how we're perceived, nay, how we are understood around the world, both in geopolitical politics and also here at home. And geopolitical, the geopolitical climate of the world right now is, is very very clearly affecting the way you and I live our lives as middle-class citizens here in the United States. So, Justin, I, I think that what we hear tonight is going to um, be very interesting and will definitely, there's no doubt about it, will definitely play a factor in how you live, work, and raise your family. Well, what could President Biden bring to the table tonight when he gets before the speaker of that, when he stands in front of the speaker of the house, Nancy Pelosi and the vice president Kamala Harris and addresses the nation and addresses Congress more specifically, uh, he's going to have to talk about the rising inflation. He's going to have to talk about the supply chain crisis and he can address that in one of two ways, either what they have done or what they will do. He's going to have to talk about COVID fatigue. That's certainly going to come up there. The chambers have already rolled back their, their mandates and what's 
in place for this very speech. Justin, I'm going to go ahead and make a prediction uh, for tonight's speech. And and I, I have no inside source, trust me, with this current administration. But I think you're going to see a sense of victory, at least from the president tonight in regard to COVID. Uh, no doubt for the last two years, people have grown very tired. Both the left and the right have grown very tired. There is definitely COVID fatigue now. I think that we have to move on to bigger and better things like midterm elections. And I think the president is going to, whether he says we have beat COVID or in a roundabout way, declare some sort of victory over the COVID-19 virus. I I think you're going to see that tonight, Justin. Well, it'll be interesting to see what approach he takes to that, because for the past two years and some change, at least in state government, COVID has been the way for for certain governors and and certain members of Congress to kind of clamp down on restrictions and keep people in line. I'll be interested to see if they keep that avenue open or if they shut the door completely on that. By the way, in case you missed it, the Biden administration did announce their pick to replace Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer on the nation's highest court, and that is Katanji Brown-Jackson, who is a Yale graduate. She has been nominated now to replace Stephen Breyer once this session of the Supreme Court comes to an end in June. So I imagine he will take a victory lap on that to discuss why he picked her and what the importance is of that as she looks to replace Justice Breyer. And that has implications here in South Carolina as well, specifically with 6th District and Representative Congressman Jim Clyburn. Justin, tell us a little bit more about how that directly affects Congressman Clyburn. Well, when Joe Biden was running for president, he was back in about 5th or 6th before they came to the Palmetto State. They come to the Palmetto State, Jim Clyburn endorses Joe Biden, catapulting Joe Biden. He won South Carolina. He won the, the African-American vote in South Carolina, certainly. And that propelled him to the presidency. You would think that to cash in on that, Representative Clyburn would ask for a favor and and bring up Michelle Childs. Now, Michelle Childs has been brought up by Republicans and Democrats from our state. Lindsey Graham has had already stated that he would certainly vote for confirmation for her, and that's not uncommon. Senator Graham had voted to confirm both Sotomayor and Kagan in his role is to advise and consent as part of the Senate. Judge Michelle Childs was a widely popular choice, certainly from this state. And you thought that maybe if there was some sort of leverage or some sort of push by Representative Clyburn, that Michelle Childs would get the nomination. That did not happen. And and now, uh, soon to be, if she is confirmed, Katanji Brown-Jackson will become the first African-American female to be a Supreme Court justice, which is a promise that Joe Biden made here in the Palmetto State during a Democratic primary debate. And so that that's where the Palmetto State implications come in there. I don't know if there's any sort of fracture in the relationship. I certainly don't think there is. But just, again, something to keep in mind. And of course, I would expect the president to offer some sort of response to the United States' response to Russia, which is where we'll start as we look at some things that you need to be aware of as you watch the State of the Union tonight. Here are the three areas that you need to most closely dial into during the speech, which, I don't know, the former President Trump sometimes went an hour and a half. 
I think he went as long as an hour and 47 minutes one year. I don't know if President Biden can do that. I don't know if he will do that. Again, that's also something to keep in mind. It's trivial. It's seemingly menial, but the length of the speech, keep an eye on that. Here are three areas that you need to focus on tonight. The response to Russia and Ukraine is one. We've talked about it a little bit at length, the end of COVID. We've already discussed that. Do they declare victory tonight? Masks have been made optional. You could see a full house tonight in terms of members of Congress. They are limiting guests as, as to still follow some sort of protocol. And much of the restrictions have already been rolled back in South Carolina. We've had those rolled back for quite some time. Uh, so that is just for you to see that the temperature of the presidency and the temperature of the White House in response to COVID and individual liberty. Uh, but well, let's let's start with Russia and Ukraine, Mitch. Let's start here. What is America's role in, in world affairs? Uh, again, I want to make sure that we understand where we're going here. America is not the reason that Russia is invading Ukraine. No. Uh, America's moves in Afghanistan are not the reason Russia is invading Ukraine. Russia invaded Ukraine and is at war right now with Ukraine because Vladimir Putin wants to restore Soviet glory to Russia. Period. He's a dictator. He wants more land. He wants more power. And he'll do it any way he can. I will say this, Justin. It is important for us to understand that when there is a balance of power around the world— uh, it's it's important for us to understand that what did happen in Afghanistan, what clearly happened in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. was at least a signal sure. for the Russians, sure. the Chinese, the North Koreans, the Iranians, those that we would consider bad actors on the world stage. It was at least a signal to them that we may not be emanating or claiming the same superiority or power that we once did Certainly. and effectuating that American exceptionalism Certainly. around the world. So while there's no excuse, is it a possible reason for why Vladimir Putin chose now, well, here in 2022 to invade Ukraine? That still is left certainly. out for us to understand. Certainly, certainly. And we, and we can have the conversation about how different events have played in over the last year. Sure. This. I'll, I'll also put forward this point, that Vladimir Putin has had a land-grabbing operation oh, yeah. under the Bush 43 administration, under the Obama administration, and under the Biden administration. I'll leave it there. So there is some semblance of understanding that there, our place on the world stage influences how these things happen. Now, it has been widely stated by this administration and by the president himself that they had intelligence about these operations and about the buildup since November of 21. And we've imposed sanctions on Russia. And, and I'll step a little bit out. Vladimir Putin does not care about how poor or how rich his people are. So yes, economic yeah. sanctions do nothing for this man. He does not care. And economic sanctions, we've had speaking out of both the sides of our mouth. The press secretary and the vice president said that these sanctions are meant to deter Russia and deter, and when I say Russia, it's Putin, to deter this man from doing anything that would be considered rogue or invading Ukraine. Both of them said that. The president last week says, well, the sanctions were never meant to deter. So which one is it? And I think we're going to get a sense tonight of where America stands on the national stage. And I am so passionate about this right now because this is not a political issue. It is, but at the heart of it, 
folks, there are people in Ukraine that have been living in subway stations because their bomb shelters is the best they can be. People have fled their homes. There are people who have had their lives completely rocked. And we don't understand that here in the West, specifically in the United States, because we have not had foreign boots on our soil for prolonged war activity since 1812. Exactly. So we don't understand this. But I saw videos of folks gathering around their table with their family, singing hymns before they eat. Videos of people in a church service in Ukraine singing. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. As that night before, planes were dropping bombs on apartment buildings. So I'm not saying that America has to be the world's policeman. You, you can have that conversation with yourself. I'm not here to go one way or the other. But I will say that America long have we stood for what is right and long have we stood for what is good and virtuous in most cases and most situations. We are passively wagging our finger. And no, 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 no. You stay over there. You don't do that. Meanwhile, there are steps we could have take, could have taken and steps we still can take that could really mitigate what's happening. And I will say this, because we have not stood firmly with Ukraine, again, light up your bridges, light up your buildings, fly the flag. That's fine. That's good. That shows solidarity. But I promise you, there's a man who is running a rogue country right now who is invading this place that does not care. Where does this put us? What is the signal we are sending to the people in Taiwan? What is the signal we're sending to the people in Israel? Yeah. That at the end of the day, when push comes to shove, we will stand idly by and not do enough. That's the message we're sending. And so that's why it's important tonight when the president talks about this situation, you need to understand the language he's using. And I promise you, we're going to talk on Friday about what he said. Mm -hmm. I can promise you that. Because if you want to have a biblical Christian worldview of what's going on, and, and, and you can you can email me and I, I can have a deeper discussion with you about what I think the biblical implications of this are. But because of what's happened, Mitch, in in, in Ukraine, and I, and I hope people, I hope you can sense where I'm where I'm coming from on this. I give it a couple of months, at the most, before Xi Jinping moves on Taiwan. Because the world, the world as a whole, every country is operating, Mitch, right from their own perspective and from their own goals. Right. Well, there's no doubt that there, the geopolitical climate has certain implications for how we live here at home. And not to be self-centered or, or us-word focused, but internal policy and foreign affairs certainly have implications and consequences on how we handle things here at home. You're feeling that right now. Mm -hmm. If you're driving to work, you're driving on fuel, most likely gasoline, P possibly diesel, which ironically is costing you more at the pump right now than gasoline. But you're filling up your tank and it's costing 40, 50, 60. Maybe if you drive one of those really big cars, 70 or $80 at the pump right now. And right now it looks like those prices may go even higher. That is in large part due to the fact that we have become more energy, as you just said, Justin, more energy dependent on the Middle East, on Eastern Europe, and on Western Russia. 
And we have those resources here at home. But because of the executive, the president's administration, the executive branch, and some of the choices they've made, we have limited our resources in turn favoring those across the globe. That's problematic, especially in these times, especially when there are wars and rumors of war. It is problematic for you at the gas pump and for all Americans at the gas pump when it, your energy costs will go up. Things like that are going to go up, not to mention inflation. Inflation is, you're feeling inflation right now. If you don't know what that feels like, Milk, bread, eggs are going to go up. Your staples, the things that you buy to feed your family, those at the grocery store, those things are going up. They're going to continue to go up with inflation. The value of your dollar is going to go down. The The alarming thing we have to think about here, and I don't want to sound like the sky is falling or anything like that, but these are things to bear in mind tonight as you listen to the president. Stagflation. We're, re- we're reaching a plateau when it comes to the amount of jobs that are being created and filled by employees. So you have stagnation of jobs. At the same time, you see inflation going upward, and, and economists call this stagflation. It's important for us to understand that there has to be an aggressive strategy when it comes to the executive branch. Remember, The government doesn't create jobs, but they do set up the environment in which jobs are created best or the the environment where it's best for jobs to be created by the private sector. Right. So as you listen to the president tonight, yes, there are geopolitical consequences to everything that's happening, whether or not America is to blame for any of that. I, I don't think so. Vladimir Putin's going to do what he's going to do. Right. Xi Jinping's going to do what he's going to do. And it is worth noting that if we are strong in the world, Vladimir Putin, Xi Jinping, they will notice that. They did, yeah. They did for for a long period of time. But what we have to keep in mind here as well is what that means for us here at home. And once again, not to be self-centered or us-word focused, but it is worth noting because there are consequences – the politi- political and geopolitical pendulum swings back and forth, and it moves in a way that we feel the repercussions of its movement. Certainly. And again, I didn't want to stay on this topic too long because we will be having conversations about this in the coming days, and, and I look forward to uh, publishing those and, and putting those out for you guys to listen to because I think they're going to be insightful conversations and ones that ones that need to be had and, and ones that I think you'll enjoy. Um, one more point for this is individual liberty um it's beginning to gain traction <laughs> individual liberty is beginning to gain traction but i can't believe i just uttered those words but it is uh, obviously what's happening in canada what has happened in canada uh with the emergency powers that were enacted and now rescinded and all this different stuff going on with the truckers up there in canada well there's a, there's possibly going to be some truckers heading to washington dc f- tonight uh, for the for the state of the union and um, whether you agree or disagree with their tactics, that's that's for for you and, and you to determine. And and I don't really have a, a leaning one way or the other in that case. But I think folks should stand for their individual liberty. I'll put it that way. So the biggest thing is how what is the response? I don't think the president will address it in his speech. The speech already has been written. Um, I don't foresee that. I don't. I don't 
foresee his speechwriters at at 8:52, adding one more line to the teleprompter that may or may not be read uh, from the podium tonight. What is the response from the government going to be to that possible protest? More fences have been put up since we were there, Mitch. When when I when I went to D.C. in December, there were more fences than there were when I went to D.C. in January. Right. It, it's amazing how that works. Um, They're getting good at putting those up and taking them down. Oh, very quickly. Very quickly. Um, It'll just be interesting to see how our federal government responds compared to the response of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Exactly. We are not Canada. Canada is not us. But I think it is important for us to look at the precedent of this, what Canada just did. And we're going to be talking more in the weeks and months to come about exactly what Canada's done uh, through their state of emergency and what they did to some of these truckers. I'm very interested, Justin, to see if some of those same things happen here, uh, particularly through social uh, social engineering and um, data points and bank accounts and things like that. I'm, I'm kind of hinting around it right now because, as I said, we're going to be talking to you a lot more about something known as ESG in the weeks and months to come and what you need to know about that because it's extremely important. It gravely, I won't say greatly, it gravely affects your individual liberty, your your religious liberty. It affects the way you live and work and raise a family. Yes, even here in the Palmetto State, we live in a great state, but many of the things that we're seeing on the national front will even affect us here in South Carolina. So pay attention to those things tonight for the State of the Union. Keep in mind all the things that we've talked about. And it, I think, Justin, it's going to be very interesting to hear what the president has to say. And and something very interesting, I'll go back to this for just a second. All of those things that we talked about on stagflation, stagnation of jobs and wages, and then inflation with the dollar, this is why the tax cuts and the tax reform that the Senate and the SC House are working on right now are so important because the more money you keep right. in your pocketbook, absolutely, it's it's Better huge for you. right now, no doubt. Yeah. So those are some of the things to keep in mind as you, no doubt, will listen or at least hear the bullet right. points of the highlights of the State of the Union address tonight. Well, I'll be, I'll be watching because I'm a nerd, um, yes. and and you'll be watching because you're a nerd. Yep. Um, and I and I'm assuming all of you listening will be watching because you care about what's going on. I, I, I haven't. I've tried to not be tongue in cheek today, but I, I'm going to quickly be tongue in cheek because what's a Palmetto Family Matters podcast episode without me being tongue in cheek? Um, typically, when the president gives a press conference and takes questions and he begins to answer a question, he says, uh, "Well, uh, I'm. I'm actually. I'm not going to. I'm not going to waste my time with that, or I'm not going to. I'm not going to get into that right now." He cannot say that tonight. No, he cannot say that tonight. So they're gonna they're gonna pin the speech exactly the way they want it. As the pre now, I will say the previous administration probably had more trepidation and fear of their guy going off script, um, where you might have to hit pause on the prompter. So again, I look for look for the language. What words are is he using? What's the tone? What's the tenor? How when when the sergeant at arms says, "Madam Speaker, the President of the United States," there's going to be pomp, there's going to be circumstance. Because listen, every one of these is a historical moment, whether you agree with him or not. He's the President of the United States. It's a big deal. 
The State of the Union is <laughs> for Joe Biden. It's a big deal. Oh, yeah. Uh, so when he walks up to the lectern, to to the stand, and he begins to speak, listen for his tone. Listen for clarity. How does he command the room? Half of them is going to be for it. Half of them is going to be against him. How does he command the room? And then for these three areas, focus in when he talks about the response to the Ukraine-Russia situation, the U- Ukraine-Russia war. How does he respond to this new era that we seem to be entering into when it comes to COVID? And then just key in on anything that could threaten your individual liberty. And again, I would listen to the speech. I would watch it. And I would listen to maybe a minute or two of the reaction, like maybe a minute or two, and then unplug. But tune back into us on Friday as as we recap what he says and and what the president talks about, because I think it's important for us to die to diagram out what was said, why it was said, what's important about what he's talking about. Because I, I promise you, the State of the Union affects South Carolina, and it affects you. Do you know why? Because you live in a state of the union and you need to understand what's going on and why it's so important the state of the union tonight march 1st at 9 p.m please watch along with us and we will be talking about this as the week rolls on i do want to leave you with one parting thought here as we wrap up our tuesday edition david in in psalm 37 says do not fret because of evil doers or be envious of the workers or iniquity Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Uh, I was talking to some students Sunday night. You cannot, faith doesn't mean you sit idly by. Faith means you do everything in faith. You do everything in trusting in the Lord and that he's going to work things out for his good. When everything else around us, as it seems to be right now, falling apart, and it doesn't seem to make any sense. We have to sometimes, Mitch, call on the old, very, very um, tried and true words that we learned when we were maybe two or three, right? He's got the whole world in his hands. And that's something that we need to remember all the time if we can bear it. That's something that you just need to remember with all that's going on in the world. And as you listen to the State of the Union tonight, remember, trust in the Lord and do good. Feed on his faithfulness. And desire more of him and he'll give you the desire of your heart, which will be more of him. Totally. As I said in a post uh, on Sunday evening, you know, now is not the time for us to look upward to the sky and say, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. And I think I think that ought to be a longing of our heart. But at the very same time, this world needs Christians who are emanating Christ all the time, who are sharing his light, his love, who are giving away the grace that only comes from God. And so as we look at the world around us and we see this void in leadership, men and women of courage, conviction, and faith, Christians must rise to the occasion, look forward and up at God and say, we will lead. And we have this golden opportunity right here, right now to do so. Enjoy the State of the Union tonight from the 46th President of the United States, and we'll be back on Friday to discuss it all with you here on the Palmetto Family Matters Podcast.